Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Dr. Karen, and we are thrilled that you guys have joined us today for our show. Uh, we've got a good one for you today. Phil, what do we got today? Yeah, well, as you said, it's a good one. We got part two of the interview with Jeff Sandifer. And if you missed part one, you definitely want to pause this right now, go back to part one and, and learn about kind of the ins and outs of the Acton Academy, which Jeff and his wife, Laura, started a few years back. Um, and now it's booming into something that you're going to learn about today, where it's going and how they're really using collaboration to go to, to deeper and, and, and greater levels. Um, and I realized also I neglected to introduce him um, properly the last time. And the re- part of the reason for that is that it would take an entire episode to talk about all the things this guy's done and is doing uh, around the world. But as he said, he's an entrepreneur. He has started a business school, uh, the Acton School of Business. He started a, a my entrepreneurial journey program. He's he's started a bunch of businesses. And, you know, as he said, the thing he's loving more than anything right now is the Acton Academy that he's been working on. So you learn about it in part one. You'll, you'll hear more about it here in part two. But before we get to that, I'm excited to uh, kind of get, ask Dr. Karen back after a few weeks uh, hiatus. So today we are talking about educational self-efficacy, as you see in our education theme in these uh, couple episodes. So Karen, what is educational self-efficacy and why do we need to know about it? All right. Good job. You got, you got that out. That, that's kind of a, a hard phrase to say. Um, educational self-efficacy is one of the most important ideas related to education in my humble clinical opinion. However, there's actually a lot of um, people who are wildly well known for their research and strategies related to education who also agree with me. (laughs) Um, Maybe I should say I agree with them. So essentially, educational self-efficacy is the fact and the um, idea that we want students, we want them to believe in themselves. And it's really as simple as that. I could give you probably 30 more minutes of details, but I'll I'll spare you at that. Um, Self-efficacy related to education is is the foundation and the idea that we want our kids to believe in themselves. We want them to know that they are capable of achieving a goal. And when they have this high sense of self-efficacy, they're more likely to be intrinsically or internally motivated. They start to understand that if I put um, a high degree of effort into a project or into um, an idea or into solving a problem, then they're going to be internally motivated to complete that problem or to complete that um, task or complete that project. Um, The other piece that's really, really important is that when we have students and and kiddos and teenagers that have this high degree of educational self-efficacy, when they do have a setback, when they do have something that may not work as well as they had hoped it would work, they understand that, that these things are actually in their control and they're not blaming something else. They're not blaming it on a peer or blaming it on a teacher or blaming it on the world. They're understanding that this is actually in their control and it helps them to recover quickly and helps them to consider other alternatives to solving a problem. And so um, this this concept of educational self-efficacy is essentially helping holistic development. And it's not just teaching our kids concepts and teaching them um, what it is they need to regurgitate. It's 
empowering and equipping them to know how to solve problems and to actually feel very confident emotionally. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that is so important. And I know that Jeff and Laura would absolutely agree with, with that and the importance of it, um, which is, you know, one of the big reasons that they're, they're doing what they're doing. So with that, um, let's get back into part two uh, or back into this interview with part two uh, of my conversation with Jeff Sandifer. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, hear feedback on this. And as you all know, you can get, you can get to us on, on thinkorphan.com or at the Think Orphan Facebook page, leave a comment. Um, and also, as, as we, we ask you pretty often to go onto iTunes and rate and review the show, and that's because we know that that helps get the show out to more and more people around the world. We just got word that we're in 84 countries. Actually, by the time this airs, we'll probably have more. Uh, it's been downloaded uh, nearly 30,000 times, and uh, it's exciting to me because what that tells me, you know, is not, oh, look at all the numbers, but what it tells me is, there's lots of kids that are being loved better because of all these amazing guests we've been able to have. So you're a part of that too, getting it out to different people, share it to your people, whether it's word of mouth or uh, via social media or other ways that you're able to get it out to people. So with that, let's get back to my conversation with Jeff. You, you alluded to this a few minutes ago, just the fact that Acton Academy has expanded from this one little school in Austin, Texas, is what you said, eight, eight or so friends, seven or so friends, um, kids from the community, to campuses all around the world. And you expect it to continue expanding. So how have you scaled it? How have you taken this one little school and brought it to what it is today? Well, and as I answer this, it's important to understand, you know, we never really meant to even have a school. We, we didn't know what we were starting, mm-hmm. much less a middle school, much less a high school, much less more than one. But about 18 months after we had started the elementary studio, um, one of my best friends from Guatemala came and said, I want one of these for my children. So we just handed him the disorganized stack of papers of what we were doing. And about the same time, we had a family uh, where the husband had been, been given a chance to get a great job in California. But, but it, uh, his wife said, I'm not going if we can't start an acting academy. So we gave her the same disorganized stack of materials and built 18 months later, we realized we were learning more from them than they were learning from us. And in fact, the, the, the name of the game here is we don't know much. We probably know 15 percent of what we need to know about this new model. We wanted more experiments. So the first two worked so well, we thought, well, maybe we'll just quietly um, get maybe up to 10, maybe in our school plus nine, we can all share ideas, we can we can learn and iterate, and then someday we'll have a model we can really share. Well, quickly that got out of hand. And uh, as I said, now we have 26 open. We think we'll open about another 20 to 26 uh, this year. We also have 2,700 applications to open a school from parents, wow. and we're receiving 100 a week. So there's no way we can handle that kind of volume. Uh, but we're seeing parents uh, all over the world with, with very little outreach from us. I mean, almost all of this. I mean, I've done a couple of podcasts, including this one. But most of this is just parents finding out and going through an application process. And so we're now providing a kit. We've got a better organized community. But as you can imagine, if we grow from 26 to 50 to 100, uh, we're going to have to continue to change. And there's no master plan there's no um, grand vision. This is simply 
parents working together, trying to build a different model for their for their children. And uh, I have no idea where it's going to go. Yeah, and I, and I I love that. I love you know. And, and what I didn't say earlier on is you know you've been one of my mentors over the last few years. The, the it, it, and have given me tremendous advice on how to help run Providence and and just in in my life. And I appreciate and thank you for that. Um, but one of the things I really respect about you is you're continually learning. And, you know, you talked about that in the context of collaboration with, um, these other, these other schools. It's not, we're going to tell you everything, you know, what you said. And I hope everyone heard was, you know, we're going to learn from each other. And can you just share a little bit and kind of get off, off the school for a minute here and just encourage our listeners on the power of collaboration and really everything we do and why it's so important that we do collaborate and work together on these things, these big issues that we're facing in our world today? Well, I, I mean, I can certainly witness that because um, I'm more prone than the average person to think I have the right answer. And, you know, I'll get prideful and think I've got it figured out. And, of course, I know somewhere deep in my mind, as soon as I do that, that there's problem, there's trouble coming. And um, so I'll get to a place I can't answer it. I'll make a mistake. And you just have to ask others for help. You've done it with Providence. Is, you know, you, you've built a completely new model. But I know you, you're always asking people that you respect, okay, how would you do this differently? What would you try? Because it's only in trying new tests and then being honest when they fail that you find the things that work. And it's, life's pretty simple for me. You try things, if they work, you keep doing them. If they don't, you stop doing them. <laughs> and it's really not <laughs> much more complicated. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. One of the beauties of this whole network, because we'll get uh, two or three suggestions a day from our from our little discussion groups that the owners are talking about that we'll implement. Um, we, we had a major change in the school just two weeks ago, had an idea from Guatemala that was just brilliant. and. In one day, we changed everything we were doing about the school. And so, you know, it's every time I get prideful and think I've got it figured out, I'm, I'm headed for a fall. And every time I'm looking and asking questions and trying to see what works, uh, it seems to get better. Yeah, and, and I love one of the quotes. And again, I, I don't remember exactly where it's from, but you'd said one thing to do is to call to mind your goal. Focus on your purpose, not on the present darkness. Remember your dream. In this, your companions can help since chances are not everyone in your life will feel discouraged at the same time. And I think that's the other side of collaboration, that we can encourage each other in those valleys, in the darkness, when when you feel like you don't really know what you're doing, um, which, you know, sometimes happen more often than other times. Um, but that's really the power of collaboration as well. And I, I do remember that that's from, that's actually from the book, um, The Hero's Journey, which which you wrote with Father Sirico, and, and we'll get on that into that a little bit later on um, today. But... Um, I, I want to move on right now to the to the idea um, you, you had mentioned, and you kind of again just in passing talked about you know you started one of these in Guatemala, and uh, you know I saw that Honduras also has you know a couple, and there's some other countries, but with that you know comes you know it, it really raises the question that I, I imagine a lot of our um, listeners are thinking about, which is you know. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the listeners, a lot of our audience are working with low income families, orphan children, and at risk communities, developing countries around the world. Um, is the is the Acton Academy model um, can it be used in those situations? Is it is it applicable to those situations? Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I'll say this: we we have no idea, mm -hmm. and even in Guatemala, uh, we're dealing with a you know middle class, upper middle class uh, demographic. 
and we we are very much looking forward to the first inner city test. Um, so I just simply don't know. And our friends that or my friends that that have had a lot of experience in the inner city seem optimistic. Um, I will tell you, Phil, that you know at least in the U.S. inner city, you and I are not going to walk into an impoverished neighborhood and make it work. It's going to have to come from somebody who's tough and can stand there and say, um, look, I know you had a hard life. Um, I, I know it's been hard. Now you got to get up and do it. I mean, so you've got to have that, that authenticity to both be empathetic and to draw hard lines because all of us are going to fall off this path at some point. And you've got to repent and get back up on the path to try again. But it's one that requires, I think, tough love. Uh, but and I really think it requires tough love if you're in the upper socioeconomic or the lower ones. It doesn't. People often say, "Well, it won't work for their children." I hear some people at a cocktail party it makes you really angry, and I said, "Look, if you think that poor parents don't care about their kids and that rich parents don't screw up their kids, you haven't been around many rich parents or many poor parents." Mm-hmm. So, so I, be- I I believe in my heart it would work. Um, I don't think I'm probably the person to make it work, and I doubt it will work without someone who's willing to draw hard boundaries or let the let the Eagles draw the hard boundaries and respect them. So it won't work for everybody, right? Because you've got to want to try, and 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 I think everybody wants to try sometimes, and then everybody wants to lay down. Mm-hmm. I mean, me included. Um, I do say we're bottled very much after how Al- Alcoholics Anonymous is is organized. And how the Boy Scouts are organized, and at least in the case specifically of AA, you know, it does seem to resonate across cultures. And so, um, I, I think I'm looking forward to the first test and see how it'll work. Yeah, and and that also kind of raises you talked about the parents and, and the involvement of the parents. You know, is it something that you've had? Have you had any experiences where the parents really? aren't that educated or aren't involved in the child's education to see how that might work? Because I know that's the situation in a lot of uh, places around the world. Well, again, we've had all different kinds of parents. And the one thing I would say to anybody that wants to be an owner, the young people are delightful. And um, while, you know, you'll have up days and down days and struggles, um, it's always on an upward plane. So dealing with dealing with young people, Terrific. Parents are really hard, uh, including me. Right. I mean, because most of the time, the things we worry about for our children have nothing to do with our children. It has to do with ourselves. So if I was bullied as a child, I'll see bullying everywhere. Um, if I was um, not good in math, I'll fear my child not being good at math. And so parents, I, I don't think it's a matter of education. Frankly, I think it's a matter of courage because a parent who can't read and can't write there's plenty of things out there. If you've got access to the internet, or you even got access to a, 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 a small uh, node where you can get a hard drive and download things, you can learn almost anything in the world today. So I know there are places in the world you don't have that, and I'm not speaking about those places, but any place where you have the internet, a parent doesn't have to be educated. They just have to believe in their child and try. So mm-hmm. I, I have, but parents are very hard. And Laura and I continue to make lots of mistakes as parents ourselves. So we're very, you know, we're, we're, we're not pointing fingers. We're pointing fingers at ourselves, if anything. Right. But parents that allow their children to grow and make mistakes and tend the garden um, are doing a wonderful thing for humanity. Parents who try to either neglect or overmanage their children, and I think either of those are destructive, um, are not serving their children well. 
Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree. Well, you know, we're going to get into um, a couple more things uh, to, to finish up the interview, but I want to know how, you know, people can partner if they want to get, you know, kind of on that train that you were talking about earlier to, to maybe start one of these in their community. I know that you have a huge backlog, but, but if people want to apply, if people want to learn more about it, where, where can they, where can they find out more information? Sure. And, and so the Acton Academy website is just Acton, A-C-T-O-N, academy.org. And there's a link there that you can go to start the audition process to be a new owner. The other thing that we haven't talked about, I just throw out there for your owners, it's a lot easier than starting a school. We have these wonderful uh, events called the Children's Business Fair. And it's basically just children for a day coming and pitching a business, I mean, actually starting a business and doing it. And we now have those, um, I think we're going to be, we expect to be in a hundred cities next year. Hmm. It's a wonderful way with the children's business fair to kind of start a mini acting to do something that brings the community together and often will lead to an acting starting. So if you just, I don't even know the website, if you just put in launch acting children's business fair, the site will pop up and, um, they are, I mean, you can do it with seven kids in your front yard. And next next year, you'll have 14 kids. And the year after, you'll have 30 kids. That's how we started. And ours uh, last this year, we had 250 young people and over 2,300 visitors. Wow. It doubled in size until we reached capacity every year. So if you're thinking about this for your children, you can't quite bite off the Acton uh, Academy or we can't get to you. Trying an Acton's Children's Business Fair is a lot of fun and doesn't cost anything. In fact, we'll even pitch in some prize money. Right. But it's a fun way to get started down this path. Yeah, it sounds like a good way to kind of dip your toe in the water and, and see if it might be something that will work in, in your community and, if, in, and be able to actually put the work that, that goes into it as well. Um, well, that's great. Well, you, you kind of mentioned it through the collaboration, but but how are some other ways that you personally have have continually learned about this and challenged yourself to get better? I know you've invited a couple people that others listening in may have heard of to the to the academy to to see it, and you know what have you learned from other people, and how have you continually challenged yourself to get better? But, you know, that's a good question. We and we've had. Um, We've had some great people visit. Sal Khan's a, a, a friend and a great man. Sugata Mitra, who did the hole in wall experiments, is a terrific guy. He's he's been here. Um, we actually get about a dozen requests a week for tours, and we just had to say no to all of them because you know these these studios are kind of like the young people's bedrooms. You mm-hmm. can't you can't have adults uh, uh, tripsing through them. So I've learned from all of those, but I'll tell you the people we've learned the most from um, is the young people themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, having the patience to sit and quietly and really listen and ask questions. Almost all of our good ideas come from, from the Eagles. They come from the young people. And that's true for the other owners as well. So when we want a new piece of software and we're trying to think of something about reading comprehension, we'll ask them and they'll, they'll just go off and charge off and spend an hour and they'll come back with a list and then they'll curate that list and they'll test the program and they'll come back and tell us which one we should use. And, um, I, I think the capacity of young people to do things and offer ideas to adults is almost unlimited and is something that we just don't tap very often. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, anybody who has kids out there who works with children understands that when they've actually sat down and listened and, and really wanted to learn, I think, from from their own biological children, adopted children, foster children, or just children that, that they're working with through a school or some other way. Um 
you know, as far as you have, you have several uh, other things that you've worked on that you've put out there, other resources for people. I want to briefly touch on uh, three other things. You, you've talked about a couple of them and referenced them throughout the interview, but I want to quickly uh, talk about three things that you've done, projects that you've worked on and are working on that can help our listeners to grow um, as human beings, as entrepreneurs, um, if they're if they're interested in business as well. And so I, I want to just kind of run down each of those individually so that you can talk about each of them for a couple minutes and point people to how they can get more information about them. But the first is the book that I mentioned earlier. It's called uh, The Field Guide to a Hero's Journey. And you wrote that with uh, Father Sirico of the Acton Institute, um, who works up there at the Acton Institute with Michael Miller, who we had on the show recently. And uh, I just, can you just quickly just talk about that book a little bit and and why you wrote it and um, just what you think our listeners can learn from it? Sure. So Father Sirico is is a, a dear friend, and, and we actually he allowed us to borrow the Acton name from the Acton Institute, even though we're not formally uh, connected. And Father Sirico spends his time um, talking about market economics with seminarians and talking about morality with business leaders. And so he and I just thought about uh, you know, what can we do together as a fun project. And uh, the Hero's Guide turned out to be a series of the great readings the classical readings that every hero and entrepreneur should read. And then with short vignettes from, from why it mattered to, from Father Sirico's life or my life. And so it was, a, it was a fun project of if I wanted my children to only read 10 short pieces, poems, excerpts, uh, quotes, uh, what would I leave them? And what would be my short two or three paragraph introduction into why this mattered? And so that's what the Hero's Journey book is about. Yeah, we'll have a link to that on the on the show notes as well. You can get it on Amazon, um, and I and I, I strongly recommend it. I read it um, very quickly and um, absolutely loved it. Um, and then the other the, the the second thing is the the my uh, EJ the my entrepreneurial journey. Um, it's the Master Apprentice program. Uh, can you share uh, with our with our listeners? Um, what it is and why it's so powerful, why, why you have, have seen it um, be so powerful in so many lives? Well, yes, and that, that really comes from the Acton MBA program, which is a you know, Harvard-Stanford-level um, MBA program for entrepreneurs run by entrepreneurs. And so uh, we actually renamed that program now Acton On Demand, but it, it comes from the Acton School of Business, and it's really designed to deliver for, for people who are interested in business the basic tools of business, but more importantly – uh, questions in a program to learn to live a life of meaning. Uh, so, so to think about how to do something with your life that not only might make money, but actually will matter. And um, we'll find that special place where your gifts and what you love to do and a deep burning need in the world kind of overlap. And to me, that's, that's what a calling is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if people are interested in, in, um, Getting involved with that, how can they how can they find that online? Sure, the best way is just go to the Acton MBA web, website website, so actonmba.org, and uh, there'll be links there uh, to to that program. Okay, and can you also just share quickly the the third thing was the Acton the Acton School of Business and the MBA program. Can you just share um, kind of your vision for that and how it, how it differs maybe from the traditional MBA program people think about? Well, you'll hear echoes in this of the, of the Acton Academy because we, we've learned uh, from the MBA about the Academy and vice versa. So the three promises from the MBA are that you will learn how to learn, you'll learn how to make money, very crass about that, businesses should make money, mm-hmm. and you'll learn how to live a life of meaning. So it very much echoes the learn to learn 
learn to do, learn to be of the academy. And we'll only take about uh, 30 to 35 students a year through the program. It's taught by 12 successful entrepreneurs who've also led meaningful lives and you know struggled with the same things we've talked about here today. Um, and um, you know, I like to think of it as the Navy SEAL program for entrepreneurship because, uh, and certainly the SEALs do things that are far beyond what we imagine to do, but it's 100 hours a week. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult program. You do about half of it um, online before you show up, but for four and a half months, you are completely immersed in real hands-on, uh, real-world experiences with master entrepreneurs, and it's as if you're in battle every single day running a business. So once you get out, you actually have the pattern recognition and the tools you need to start run a successful business. Yeah, I think both of those things we just talked about are, are very intense programs with that, that produce tremendous uh, dividends. And I, and I know people who've been through them um, and I've, I've worked through the, the my EJ stuff as well. Um, and it is some great stuff. I couldn't I couldn't uh, uh, recommend it enough to to those out there. And really, wherever you are in the world, you could do the the actually acting on demand, I guess, is, is what it's called now. You could do that program. And, and uh, it's a matter of finding a mentor and, and doing it. But we won't get the details. You can look it up online. But again, strongly, strongly recommend it. Um, you know, I, I was going to go into a little bit of your TED talk, but I, I'm really going to leave that for our, our listeners to be able to to go um, listen to your TED talk uh, online. They can just it, it's it's linked to um, it on your on the Acton Academy website, but you can also just Google Jeff Sandifer on TED TEDx talk, and you can hear it. It's worth the definitely worth the 20 minutes uh, of your life to listen to that. But you know. Can you just tease it a little bit by sharing the four questions? We don't need to get into what each of them are and kind of teasing them all out, but but if you could just share what the four questions are that you really think that we all need to ask and answer if we're really going to succeed and flourish in this world. Sure. So let's see. I, I recorded that four years ago. So I know. I'm I, testing you. I'm testing you. I, I can I can tell you that the four metaphors, I think I can tease the questions out of this. Is the <laughs> first question is really, you know, why am I here? And, and the metaphor for that is, is the hero's journey. And then the second one is, um, the second metaphor is Google and gaming. And it's, you know, what, what do I love to do and what must I master? So I'm going to find, I'm going to learn to be good enough at some things, but there's something I need to be world-class at if I'm going to go out and change the world. So Google and gaming and learning how to kind of learn how to do something well and have a deliberate practice. And the, the third one is, you know, who will, who will walk beside me and hold me responsible? And there our metaphor is really Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, having these people that care about you as mentors that also, though, will hold you accountable for both being warm hearted and tough minded. And then the last one is, how do I prove what I can do? I mean, in a day when the value of a college degree declines because people aren't learning as much in college, I need a real credential uh, that works to show people what I'm capable of doing. And in our case, we have a whole system of badges with all the work you've done in a portfolio and apprenticeships and reference letters. So if someone comes to Phil and says, hey, I'm really good at uh, podcast or running an orphanage or whatever it is, you've got real proof and verified proof that you actually have the skills and the knowledge to do that. And so those are those are the four questions to me that any education could answer, uh, should answer, and that sadly today not many educational institutions actually do. I agree, and, and uh, again, thanks so much for uh, 
for that. And uh, you know, you can again get the get more on that with that with that TED talk. And you did a, you did a good, good job on that. You uh, you passed the, the test on that. So good job. <laughs> um, the last couple questions that we uh, ask all of our guests, and, and we're going to finish it up with, with these two questions. And the, and the first is, what have you read, listened to, or watched um, that has most impacted your thinking on the issues that we've discussed today? Oh, one of my favorite books is called uh, Unschooling Rules. And uh, you can get it on Amazon for just a few dollars. And it's written by the simulation expert Clark Aldridge. And it's really just a new way to think about learning. So uh, I think Unschooling Rules is is my favorite pick. Uh, I love Maria Montessori's biography uh, that, that tells you that all the issues we're talking about are timeless mm. and date back centuries uh, at best. And then if you're you know if you're kind of a bomb thrower, probably anything by John Gatto, who's Gatto, uh, G A T T O, who's the famous New York uh, City school teacher who really started the unschooling movement. Uh, he's he's always fun to read because he's kind of a fiery uh, fiery writer. Hmm. All right, well I'll definitely check those out. Um, and then the last question we have is: What one person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love and care for orphaned and at-risk children around the world? Well, I, if you're going to add it at-risk children around the world, it has to be uh, my friend George Lindahl who introduced me to you because I think the work that that you're doing and redefining, and in fact being disruptive, you're you're, you're doing exactly. Uh, what Clay Christensen of Harvard would say disruption is all about. And so seeing that there is a non-institutional, family-based, love-based environment, um, you know, the first time I saw it, I knew it rang true. And, uh, you know, you continue to fight that fight that battle, and my, my heart goes out to you for it. Well, thank you for that encouragement. And thanks for your time. I know it's valuable, and I know that uh, you're doing so many good things, and I appreciate, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship, your mentorship, and, and I know that uh, you have uh, a tremendous impact on so many lives, and, and thank you for that. Thank you for Laura and uh, the work you guys are doing together at Acton and, and well beyond. Um, so thanks again. Thank you, Phil. Well, once again, I, I'm just going to say that uh, – what you heard there in the last uh, 25 minutes or so with, with me and Jeff um, is the real deal. I mean, this guy, this guy is learning continually. It's why I appreciate him so much as a mentor is he doesn't come at you with, here's all that I know and here's what you need to know and you just, you know, go and now you'll be the wisest person in the world. No, it's, hey, let's learn together. And it was so humbling to hear him say that at the end, just as far as he's learned from me and that that's something that I, I take uh, and it's really powerful for me because this is a guy who has so much experience. He has so much knowledge. And as he said, it's really easy. It would be really easy for him to say, I know it all. And, you know, we're just going to do what I know. No, he's learning from people that are just starting the Acton Academy around the world. And think about that for a minute. These are people that he's taught, he's raised up, they auditioned to him, and then a few months later, they're taking what, you know, these folks learned in Guatemala, and they changed their system. It's crazy to me. I mean, when you really think about that. So, you know, I could go on and on and on, but I won't because I want to hear from Karen. Karen, so what, what did you take away from this part two um, of, of the interview? Yeah, I, I, I really love that you brought the, the piece about um, just being humble up. I, we have such amazing opportunities to talk with so many global leaders um, in, in our, 
uh, connection with Think Orphan. And um, Jeff just, I don't know him personally, but you could just hear in his words, like, this is such a nice guy. And I know you mentioned that um, in part one, but man, just so humble. Like if you guys um, get an opportunity to check out more about Acton Academy or even more about Jeff, you're going to just be blown away with <laughs> all of his accolades and all of the amazing successes and experiences that, that he's had. But man, he is just so humble and so kind. And I think that that's an amazing quality. And, um, again, just encourages me to, to strive towards that too. One of the things that stood out for me about part two and about Acton Academy is, um, their emphasis on peer mentoring. And we talked earlier in the show about the concept of educational self-efficacy, and this is wildly integrated. It's wildly connected. Mm -hmm. Kids learn when they're able to experience things through peers. It's technically and clinically called vicarious experiences, but students, children, teenagers, and guess what? We as adults, we learn by observing our peers. And when we see our peers succeed at a task, it helps and strengthens our own um, confidence and self-efficacy to try a task, to think through and be confident in um, mastering a task or completing a um, activity or a quest, as the Acton Academy would say. Peer mentoring is also really, really important in um, ways that children can learn not only about quests or tasks or solving a problem, but how to handle big emotions. And we're thinking about kiddos who've experienced trauma and and neglect and abuse, guess what? They have big emotions. And for parents and caregivers taking care of these children or teaching these children or parenting these children, we get to help them understand how to handle big emotions by modeling how we handle big emotions. And so peer mentoring is very, very important. Some of the work that I've been able to do in the past couple of years since our family returned to America is working with women who've been impacted in the adult entertainment industry. And some of the programs that I've helped create or, or helped monitor and evaluate, um, that's one of the biggest pieces that I recommend is, is helping women learn from their peers, particularly who have similar experiences. And so with um, the programs that I'm connected with related to trafficking and, and the adult entertainment industry here in Louisville, um, we incorporate peer mentoring. And that's that has been one of the most successful um, aspects of these programs. And it's one of the most um, appreciated aspects when we evaluate and we ask the ladies that are in the programs, what do you like best about this day program or what could we do better? And, and consistently it's, we want, we want to learn more from our peers. I want to hear more from so-and-so who was where I am who was just here like five years ago. I want to hear from her. I want to learn from her. So I love the emphasis that the Acton Academy has on um, peer mentoring. Again, there's so much. I, the, the, the interaction amongst the students, as you talk about the peer mentoring is so powerful. And I, again, I saw it. I, I've sat in with him. Um, as, as you heard in there, the, the students are so tight that they even kicked out the, the guides. Yeah. And, and, and that was, that was something that I was just, I got there. I'm like, where are the, where are the adults? And he's like, Oh, they got, we got kicked out. We can only watch on the videos. And, and it was, it was amazing. As he said, it was probably the most powerful and, and efficient and effective week those students had all year. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to take this opportunity. I know we're not in the Phil and, and Karen recommend segment yet, but I'm, I'm going to recommend that you all go out and, and grab Jeff and Father Sirico's book, Field Guide to a Hero's Journey. Um, it really is a great 
a great, encouraging and inspiring read for adults and uh, kids. Um, I'd say probably teenage and up would get the most out of it. Um, but it's something that I, I read through very quickly and very quickly put a review on Amazon, which I don't do very often right after I read a book, but I absolutely did with that one. Um, also, the the other things we talked about on the podcast, we're going to have links to all of those. His TEDx talk that Jeff gave a few years ago, um, uh, it was something that uh, just really added to what he talked about with us. It's a little different, some of the same stuff we hear, but he goes deeper into things. So the website is chock full, as Karen said, and you know I'm I am just really excited that we were able to get Jeff on this show because he's a man who is really busy, but he knew this was important. And what he said to me when I said, would you be able to, to do this interview? Can we, can we get you on the show? And what he said was, if you think it will help your audience, Mm. then I'll be on the show. Wow. That alone tells me something about this man. It wasn't about Acton Academy. As he said, their waiting list is super long. It's not about getting people to do this. It was... You know, if you think it will help, not, I think it will help, not, I really want to get my thing out there, but if you think it will help. And that's something that I think we can all learn from in collaboration, that when we're working with people, it's how can we help others to flourish? Not what will it do for me, but how can we take what God gives, has given us? And another one of Jeff and I's common friends, one of our great friend, Dougal Cameron, one of my other mentors, um, has asked me a question that I'm going to leave, leave us off with and I'll, I'll kick it back to Karen after this. But he asked me a question once that I, th- I ask of myself so often with a lot of the different things God's put in our, in our plate with Providence is, are we the right stewards for this kingdom asset? Be thinking about that with the work you have. Are you the right steward for the kingdom asset? So with that, I want to come back to you, Karen, and uh, we'll, we'll finish out the show. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, just to even for me to, to, to hear that and uh, jot that down in my brain and ponder on that. That's a, a great recommendation. Speaking of recommendations, we are at the um, fun, exciting, wonderful part of our show with the Phil and Karen recommendations. And so I've got one for you guys today. Um, this is one of my favorite recommendations for parents. Again, you, you guys are probably like, why does she keep talking about parents so much? <laughs> my clinical work here in the States. I predominantly work with children and teens. So that means I work with parents and caregivers. And so one of my favorite resources for parents, um, it's a book called positive parenting an essential guide. And then the subtitle is ending the power struggles and reconnecting from the heart. And the author is Rebecca Eanes. And this book is absolutely um, crucial and important for parents to read. It really emphasizes and helps parent to under helps parents to understand the importance of positive parenting. And, and real quick, I'll tell you guys, positive parenting is, is essentially connection-based parenting. And, and you guys have heard us talk, heard me talk through the importance of building strong, deep, healthy connections with our children so that they can then learn how to have healthy connections and, and healthy relationships. And so positive parenting is focused on, um, connecting and building these really strong, committed relationships between a parent or a caregiver um, and a child based on respect and, and healthy communication. And sometimes when I'm working with parents, particularly evangelical Christian parents, and I'm an evangelical Christian, so I'm not bagging on you guys, but sometimes what happens is like there's this um, this uh, dissonance that happens that says, what do you mean I need to respect my child? Or what do you mean um, we're going to work on solving problems together? And I'm like, 
like, all right, hold on, track with me. Just just listen, give, give this a chance of understanding how, how important it is to connect with our children so that they feel um, heard, they feel valued, and they feel the, the competence and the personal self-efficacy to solve a problem, to do something differently. And so let me give you guys a really quick... Um, Example, if my five-year-old jumps off of the couch and body slams and elbows his six-year-old brother in the eyeball, I need to connect with him. I need to help him calm down, his little brain and body calm down. And then I need to explain to him that he could have, you know, sent his brother to the hospital. And then I need to help him figure out a way to solve that problem better. Yo, your brother took your cookie, either come and get me, or maybe you guys can split it and go have these, um, of helping our kids understand how to solve problems. And honestly, I think that's what we've been talking about today with the Acton Academy, this amazing educational institution that was founded on the principles of helping kids to learn and care about learning. And so we are so thankful that you guys joined us today, um, for the podcast. Podcast. Thank you for the download. Our, our hope and our prayer and our goal here at Think Orphan is that you guys would just hear from global leaders and um, take this information and, and learn more and more about how to love children who are at risk and vulnerable around the world. Thank you guys for joining in. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan.